good Sunday morning. Citygate Church and Pastor Howie Cantrell welcome you to this week's broadcast. We encourage you to tune in each Sunday morning at 7.30 right here on 100.7 WHIN. Or visit us in person at 734 Red River Road in Gallatin, Tennessee. Services start at 945. And now, Pastor Howie Cantrell. Well, good morning, everybody. Man, I am, I'm excited um, about today. Very excited. Uh, found out this week that I'm not only going to be a grandfather again, I'm going to be a grandfather to a grandson again. And I'm excited about that. God is so good. I'm just telling you. Just a little prelude here as we get started. Becky and I, uh, when we first tried to have children, you guys know part of that story, and I'm going to come back around with it. The doctors told us that we weren't able to conceive. And so since my dad's here today, I'll throw him under the bus and give everybody else a a break. But uh, I'm so glad to have my mom and dad here and my baby sister. Uh, It's been a long time since the four of us have been in church together And I am so grateful. So I called up my dad and I was wanting some fatherly advice. And so I called my dad and I was crying. Imagine that again. And I was really broken hearted. And I said, uh, said, Dad, the doctor said we can't have kids. And and he said, okay. And uh, I said, well, I'd like to to have a, a little bit of consoling here. And he said, well, I'll tell you what, son. Read the book of Job and tell me how bad you got it and call me back. Not what I was looking for. But I want you to understand something today as we get started. A father is the kind of person who will tell you what you don't want to hear when you need to hear it. See, when I opened up that Bible that day, I was expecting to find something very different. I was expecting a beatdown. I was expecting all these things, and I never expected to find a promise. God didn't make me a single promise. He made me three promises. He promised me, number one, that my children would be like the grass of the field. I've since learned that not only is that biological children, it's spiritual children. Amen? He promised me that I would prosper, and he promised me that I'd live to be an old man. Now, I'm almost 60 years old. I know that's hard for you to believe looking at this. I get it. Looking at my mama especially. She was six when she had me. But I never expected the promises of God to come the way that they did. And so when Trey and Aaron got pregnant, I asked Trey, what do you think it's going to be? He said, well, Dad, it's going to be a boy. And I said, well, why do you say that? He said, because, Dad, God made you a promise. And when I heard that Travis and Melissa was pregnant, I said, God, I want to remind you of your promise." And so today, I want to encourage us as we start our sermon to understand the important and vital role of fathers in our lives. Now, the first thing I want to get into today is so that you understand this, not all fathers come biologically. Amen. There's a lot of fathers that come in a lot of different ways, 
and they're role models to us and they're, they're people that we can trust and we can love. And not everybody is as fortunate as me to still have my father, even at my age. And I'm sorry for your loss, but there's something that your parents taught you. There's something that your father's taught you one way, shape, form, or fashion, good, bad, or indifferent. You learned lessons from them. So today as we dig in, I want us to look at Adam, the first father, and also the first father to no loss. The reference is going to be, I'm not going to read a bunch of scriptures today, guys, because I've got a lot of stuff I want to share with you. I'm going to give you scripture references, and that's going to be Genesis 4, 25, and 26. And this is after the death of Cain, after, excuse me, after Cain kills Abel. The Bible says that Adam knew his wife again, and they had Seth. And he says, Adam speaking, Adam says, because he gave me a child not to replace, but to ensure. And there's a powerful thing right there. Nobody can ever be replaced in our lives, right? Nobody can ever be replaced. But God has a way of bringing people into our world, bringing people into our lives to make a difference. And Adam, when he was, was dealing with the loss of his son, he was going through a lot of stuff. I know this is not about mothers, but I know that Eve did too. We want to look at Adam and Eve like they didn't have feelings, like they didn't have emotions, and it wasn't a big deal. But it was a big deal. It was a big deal. And it was also a big deal when God was gracious enough and merciful enough to bring another child to them. Amen? And so I want us then now to move into and look at something a little different. Now we've gone from a natural father, we're going rather from a natural father, the very first father, the first father to suffer loss, the first father to see, and I think about Adam sometimes. Becky actually taught me this. She read a book about Eve, and it was someone who wrote this position, and I never really thought about it, but Adam and Eve lived a very, very long time. And I want you to think about how many generations came into being while Adam and Eve was present, knowing that they were the first, the first mother and the first father, and how that they would continue to go and see new children from this one and this one and this one and this one. And they saw generation after generation after generation coming into being. And for a grandmother especially, I remember one of my, my cousins wound up having a baby and they tried to trick my grandmother into thinking that it was an adopted child. And my grandmother looked at that baby and called it by its father's name. As soon as she saw it, she held that child and she looked at that child and she knew that child. Could you imagine being Adam and Eve and walking into town and a new child being born and saying, oh, that's so-and-so's, that's so-and-so's, that's so-and-so's, and being able to put that together, how unique that would be? I remember the first time that I held my son in my arms. 
I remember holding him and looking at him and being utterly amazed because it's the first time that I saw life that God allowed Becky and I to create. Now, trust me, he showed up a whole lot sooner than his birth because my world changed. Becky's world changed. We saw little elbows and knees and stuff rolling around and Becky constantly just walking around and, and Melissa, I watch her do it and I've seen all the, the, the little girls who are expecting, the young ladies who are expecting and I find myself doing it and, and I'm like, but wait a minute, <laughs> mine's sticking around a little bit longer than hers is. <laughs> And I just think about the new life that's coming, and I get excited about it. And how that a father doesn't get the notoriety that the mother gets. Because the mother's the one that's expecting, the mother's the one that's changing, the mother is, is caring, the mother is concerned, the mother is caring for. And dads don't get a whole lot of attention. We want to change that today. Let's go to our next person. Jethro. Now, Jethro is the father-in-law of Moses. Now, references Exodus chapter 2, verses 16 through 22. And there's a big story here. And so after Moses leaves Egypt, he goes out and he's wandering around and he, he falls asleep. He's tired. He falls asleep and he's by this well. And these girls come and they start watering their father's flocks. And when they do, these other shepherds come in and try to run them off. And Moses stands up and he starts to defend these girls and he drives them off, helps them load water for their, their stock, waters their flocks, and then they go back home and they tell their dad. Well, their dad is like, how did you guys get back so quick? It's like, well, this is what happened. And they tell the story again. And all of a sudden, when everything comes back, he's like, where is he? Why did you leave him? And so they go and they get him and they bring him back. And Jethro has a conversation with Moses. And in this story, Moses sees that it's good for him to be where he's at. And he decides to stick around. Now, not everybody gets a good father-in-law like my daughter-in-laws have. I understand that. I get it. And I know that Melissa is more my daughter today than ever because of the comments that she made. Thank you, Jeff. You gave her ammunition, and I appreciate that. I love you, Melissa. We'll talk later. <laughs> Christmas is coming. <laughs> Y'all know better than that. I give my kids everything. I think they're handsome. <laughs> well, thank you. You heard that, Becky. <laughs> I got that on tape, too. And so with a father-in-law, there is such an important piece. There's such an important role. And we see later as Moses is trying to make decisions and he's under all this weight that this man, Jethro, comes back into his world, back into his life. And he walks in and he says, Moses, what are you doing? And he gives him some advice that's going to change his world. But before he did that, he gives him a woman that's going to make him whole. You see, God has a way of bringing people into families. He has a way of putting people together. Now, some of us get a little bit too anxious 
and we mess that up? Just saying. And some marriages were not made in heaven, and they didn't last. And you know what? That's okay, because that's part of life. Amen? Not everybody gets along. This is not about picking on anybody. I grew up in a church that was very critical about that subject. They were very hard about that subject. And I never could understand it because there's only one thing that couldn't be forgiven. So what's the big deal? I just let God be God. Amen? Let God love people through stuff. And let us love them as well. And so Jethro is talking to Moses. And Moses says, you know what? I think I'm going to hang out here for a while. And they got to be friends. I didn't have that kind of an experience with my father-in-law. My father-in-law and I, we didn't get along very well. And that's okay. Becky and I were praying for him this morning and blessing him this morning. And I just want you to know the importance. If you're one of those people that you are the father-in-law role, if you can be that for your son-in-law, for your daughter-in-law, be that father figure. Don't try to replace, but be. Amen? It's so easy for us to, to talk about our in-laws and talk about how bad they are. And I know this is not Mother's Day, but I tell people all the time, Becky and I got together because my dad introduced us at a little church here in town. I stuck around because Sue and I became friends. Sue was good with a skillet. I'm just saying. And she made me feel welcome in her home. Are you hearing what I'm saying right now? See, what fathers should do is not look at everybody to try to run them away, but look at how they can accept and allow somebody to be part of their lives and to be the thing that they need. And what happens is we wind up with family when we learn how to accept people. Amen? I'm going somewhere with this, guys. Y'all stick with me. In my life, I've had a lot of role models, a lot of good role models, a lot of bad role models. I'm sure you guys are the same. I've never been in a position where I was in a place where I did not have a mother or a father, but I know people who have. I had friends growing up that were orphaned. They didn't have a mother or a father. And there were people that loved them so much that they took them as their own. And I want to talk about that now, the role of Mordecai and the uncle with Esther. In chapter 2, verse 7 of Esther, it talks about Esther not having a mother or a father, they were gone. And that Mordecai, or Esther rather, was Mordecai's uncle's niece. And Mordecai takes her, and the Bible says, and he raised her as his own. See, there's a lot of people in this world, there's a lot of men, there's a lot of women in this world who are orphaned for whatever reason, whether it's by abandonment, whether it's by natural causes, parents have left, 
People have just not wanted the person and, and given them up for adoption. Could not, con- could not, excuse me, could not help their situation that they were in and didn't want to bring a child into a bad situation. And they did what they felt was best for the child. Very, very rarely does the child ever feel that that was the right thing. But I can tell you that when it came to a nation being saved, because that man took that woman in, that girl in, the whole nation of Israel was saved. Now today, I'm talking about through a father's eyes and how fathers see children. You see, it's so funny that we don't see things the way other people see things. I got some video one time uh, when Travis was active in the Marine Corps. And it was night vision. So everybody was green. Everything was green. And I remember watching this, this video clip that was sent out you know, to the parents so that we could see what was going on in their training, those kinds of things. And I looked, and I stopped it, and I backed it up. And I said, that's my son. Now, he was in the same gear that everybody else was wearing. His back was to me. But the way he moved, I knew he was my son. I just want to share this with you today because I'm starting to become emotional because I know what I'm going through here as a dad, as a soon-to-be grandfather again, as a son and as a grandson. I looked at my son and I recognized him in a whole different perspective than I'd ever seen him before. And I was asked, how do you know it's him? I said, I know the way he moves. You see, moms, they get more of the the notoriety because when when the little boy or the little girl or whatever, they fall and they hurt themselves, they got that nurturing side of the mom that comes up. Oh, hey, 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 hey. Maybe, maybe they didn't have it, but they're not looking at the things the dad's looking at because the dad's back. He's observing. Moms are usually much closer, much up front, more in person than dads are. Dads are usually pulled back a little bit more. But our Father God sees us and he knows us. The Bible says that he watches over us. He knows the hairs on our head and he cares for us. Now the one father we haven't talked about yet is the adoptive father, the one who adopts a child. Now, Mordecai adopted a family member that came in that was already a blood family member. But what about that dad that accepts that child that's not theirs? What about that dad that raises that child as their own? Let's look at the greatest example of that. Joseph the adoptive father. In Luke 2, 33 and 34, the Bible says that Joseph and his mother took Jesus to see Simeon because it was the time for his rite of passage 
And he brings him in, and they offer the sacrifice for the child, and Simeon lays his eyes on Jesus. And he starts speaking. But then Simeon turns around and he does something. He blesses both Joseph and Mary. Now I want you guys to think about something just for a minute. How hard would it be, fellas, for you to be engaged to a young lady and her walk in and say, I'm pregnant. And you know that it's not your child because you've never been with her. How, how angry would you be? How brokenhearted would you be? How distraught would you be? All the emotions, these physical things that are going on. But Joseph didn't want to hurt Mary because Joseph loved Mary. There's a scripture in the Bible, I think it says something like this, love covers a multitude of sin. You see, Joseph felt like he had been sinned against. We know the story, how an angel came and visited him and spoke with him and shared with him and he changed his mind and he took, he took Mary and he took her off and they wound up having the baby and he raised Jesus like his own child. There's a scripture where Jesus is 12 years old and he gets left in the town as they go off, and they're gone for three days, and they're like, where's Jesus? Because everybody thought he was with somebody else. Y'all might not have grown up like that, but I grew up like that, because when we would have a, a general assembly, we called it, our, me and Karen, we would be with like family members, friends, where are you going? I'm going to stay with them. I'm going, and we would, they, mom and dad, it was great for them, because they never knew where we were. Number one, they didn't have to fool with us, but they always knew that there was somebody there that did know us, and if we got in trouble, everybody would know it. I'm just putting it out there. But I can remember, you know, going and being with people and, and coming back and mom, mom being furious. I was looking for you. And dad like, ah, he's all right. But when they found that Jesus was missing, it wasn't just Mary that was concerned. It was Joseph. And they went and they found him, and they found him talking with all these guys. And the Bible says that he took them back. They took Jesus back with him, and he was subject unto them. Now, you can put that any way you want, use your church and ease and, and work that out however you want to. But in my world, where the way I grew up, oh, Jesus got a beating. Listen, if my mama and daddy had to go someplace for three days and come back three days to find me, oh, Howie was getting a beating. That, and, and every time they saw me, just because I'm mad. It's the truth. I ain't lying. And I would have deserved it. But the Bible also says that the father chastens the one he loves. The Bible says that if we spare the rod and we don't correct, that we don't love the child. So it just shows how much Joseph loved Jesus and how much he cared for Jesus. All of the nonsense, all of the foolishness, all the garbage 
that I've listened to for years and years as a husband, as a father, as a son, as a wannabe Christian, as a trying to be Christian, as a somewhat successful Christian, all the voices talking to me constantly and telling me I can't do it and I'm not worth it and I'm not worthy of anybody's love or anybody's anything. I'll never be a good dad. I'll never be a good pastor. I'll never be a good husband. You're just worthless. And one day, I heard a voice. One day, I saw myself through his eyes. And I thought to myself, if I don't have any value, why did Jesus die for me? If I'm not worth anything, why did he want to save me? If I'm no good, why is Satan fighting against me? And these are the struggles, amen? This is the real deal. Now, this is where we are, dads. Now, how many of these voices do you think that Adam heard? How many voices do you think that Mordecai heard? How many voices do you think that Joseph heard? Until we learn to see ourselves the way he sees us, we do not understand that God is the ultimate father. You see, we want to try to let ourselves because of our circumstances. We want to say that we're not worth anything. We don't have any value. My dad didn't love me because he did this. My dad didn't love me because of this. My dad left me. My dad abandoned me. Let me tell you something. The word of God declares that God speaks and says, I will never leave you or forsake you. And that line in that thing that it said, I can see you, but you can't see me. I'm telling you right now, there's comfort in that. The story is told about a young Indian boy as a rite of passage. that he had to go and sit in the woods blindfolded by himself all night long. And his dad walked him out and he blindfolded him, he laid him, set him down on the end of a log, and his dad walked off. And in order for him to receive his manhood, this rite of passage that he had to go through, he had to sit alone by himself in the dark and hear all the things. If he took the blindfold off before sunrise, he failed. He started hearing sounds and noises, things that scared him, and he was afraid. But he remembered the words of his father, you can do it. You got this. Don't give up. Don't quit. Have you tried? All these things I've heard my father say to me to try to help me and encourage me. And he felt the sun coming on his face and he raised his blindfold. He had made it through the night. And he looked. And his father was sitting on the other end of the log. He had thought that he had been abandoned. He had thought that he had been left. He had thought that he was by himself. But he was not. Because even though he could not see his father, his father could see him. Amen. Amen. 
I'm telling you today, fathers, too many voices are telling you that you can't. But the word of God is telling you you can and that you are worthy and you are valuable. Whether you have a natural child or you don't, whether you've been in their life or you've not been in their life, it doesn't matter. God loves you and he sees you. And you need to know that he cares. Listen to what the word of God says. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Now, guys, I talk about this all the time. In this one scripture, there's two shalls. Those are emphatic statements. Those are legal statements. You cannot break those things because they're written in law. And that is that you will never perish and nobody can snatch you out of the hand of God. Amen. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. You've been listening to Pastor Howie Cantrell with CityGate Church, located at 734 Red River Road, Gallatin, Tennessee. Please visit us in person for Sunday worship at 945. You may also see our live broadcast on Facebook and YouTube. From everyone at CityGate, have a blessed week.